acknowledge that you're human, acknowledge that you're going to make mistakes and treat yourself the way that you would treat others. Like we are our hardest critics. We have to be more willing to show ourselves self-compassion. Give yourself a hug, own your body and feel good about what you have accomplished and be understanding of what you haven't. Hi, I'm Sean and this is Boss Fight, a podcast about the real life challenges we face and how we overcome them. As we wrap up season one of the podcast, I realize that listeners may not have had a chance to get to know me, the host, as well as some of our guests. So today I'm going to answer some of the same questions that we ask our regular guests, as well as do our Boss Fight segment with a little spin on it this time. All right. If I had to pick a character class to describe who I am as a person, the first thing that came to mind for me is a, a red mage. Now, if you don't know what a red mage is, it's essentially a magic user who knows how to cast all sorts of different kinds of magic, from healing magic to um, support magic, offensive magic, basically a little bit of everything but with the downside of not being able to attain the highest levels of any of those magics. Basically, it's like a jack of all trades. And I, I, that describes me perfectly. I've always talked about myself as if I'm a, a serial dabbler. I have a lot of interests and I'll dive into them for a long time, but I never really get past sort of this uh, initial plateau. Uh, I end up getting like, decently good at a lot of things, but never really giving anything the amount of focus necessary to become a master. And uh, there's pros and cons to that. Um, I mean, red mages in games are very popular, but in a lot of games, when you get into sort of the, the end game, they just become a little bit less useful. You know, they're sometimes when you're getting really far, you you need that specialization. And that's something that I've I've struggled with. But in the meantime, like it's been cool being able to combine all these different skills in interesting ways. As for my special ability, I like to think that I'm a relatively quick learner. I think as a nature of dabbling in a lot of different things, I tend to get up to speed pretty quickly on the basics of things. I've also, in my work, I have taken on a lot of different roles that were vastly different from like what I had done before. And I was able to very quickly get up to speed on what was necessary to succeed in that role. Kind of going along with that same jack of all trades theme, I'm able to learn quickly, but then like from there, sort of polishing those skills becomes a little bit more of a challenge to me. As for my weakness, and I'll be honest, I was a little bit hard on myself on those other two, which were supposed to be strengths, but um, a, a separate weakness that's relatively related to those is my ability to take action and make decisions, you know, uh, committing to something. And I think that's why I've become a jack of all trades. I don't like to commit to something uh, at the cost of all of those other possibilities. The downside to that is when I'm presented with a lot of choices, it's paralyzing and I ended up taking none. So rather than even, you know, being able to dabble, it's like if I'm offered with five different things I could potentially pursue, even at a hobby level, 
I, I find it hard to do that because I end up saying, well, I don't know which of these five things is going to be the best thing for me. And if I don't know which one's going to be best, then I can't really make a decision. And if I don't make a decision, then I guess I'm not going to do any of them. And then I do nothing. So, I mean, that's a pretty big weakness to me. And it's it's something I'm trying to overcome. I'm trying to tell myself that if I make a decision, it doesn't have to be forever. A decision can just be for the moment. And if I, you know, change my mind down the road, I can, but it's important to make the decision to commit to something in the moment, even temporarily, rather than waffling back and forth and not really ever making up my mind. So that's my, my attempt at kind of making up for this weakness that I have. All right, now that I've built up a character class, I'm going to do a boss fight in a little bit of a different way than we've done it before. Rather than picking one challenge and focusing on that for the duration of the show, I wanted to do a boss rush. Now, if you, if you don't know what a boss rush is, most games, it's it's a point, usually like at the end of the game as an added challenge where you, rather than going through a level and facing a boss at the end, you just get thrown right into the boss. Then once you beat that boss, you go right on to the next one. It, it's a test of your mastery over the game. You know, um, bosses a lot of times are about repetition, about learning patterns. And a boss rush is kind of this ultimate challenge of like, how many of these can you do in a row? Have you mastered each of them to the point where you can complete them all in a sequence? That's not the case for me. <laughs> I haven't mastered any of these, really. I think a pattern of the show is like, you never really master these things. A lot of times you, you do manage to overcome them in some way and you learn some skills along the way and you get a little bit better and then they come back and they kind of throw, throw you for a loop. Um, and you can use those skills that you've learned to make things a little bit easier. And then hopefully you overcome it again and you pick up some new skills and the pattern continues. And that's just how this is. That's how life works. And that's just what I've noticed from talking to people about the struggles that they go through. First step for me, and this is one that I never expected, but it'll be really familiar for listeners of the show. And that's COVID, the pandemic. I had this idea for a show well before the pandemic was a thing. You know, I had wanted to talk to people about the struggles they've been going through and then the pandemic happened and I felt like I had no more excuses. You know, I felt like I, this was something I had to go through with. And a lot of people brought up COVID, the pandemic, quarantine, things like that as, as parts of their, their boss fight. And I'm not surprised, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest challenges we've all faced recently. It's a massive collective issue, but one of the things I've noticed in talking to people is that the the ways it impacts them, the ways it impacts every person is different. Some people felt isolated. Others were scared about the, the, the health impacts and implications of 
not being allowed to isolate, not being able to isolate because of their livelihood. That, that was a reality for a lot of people. And for me, if I'm honest, the pandemic impacted me a lot less than I expected to. And the ways it did impact me were kind of a slow burn. I felt like I was already kind of developing a rut as this pandemic started where I was, you know, building up these daily routines that were the same. And I, I, there's a lot of power in routines and I'll get to that later, but you know, my days had be kind of become the same over and over again. And I was looking for ways to kind of change things up to, to freshen things, to liven things a little bit. And then the pandemic hit. And then a few months after the pandemic, there were wildfires in California and Oregon. And I, when we were isolated, I was at least going on walks outside. And then with the fire, I was forced completely inside, sealing up cracks in the door, you know, to, to try to keep the smoke out. And then, you know, in February, we had like an ice storm here in Portland and uh, lost power for three days, had, you know, no heat or anything. Um, it, that was, that was pretty scary. And these are all like, these are separate boss fights, but they're all related to COVID in that they all kind of compounded uh, to the point where I started to really feel burnt out. I felt like I'm doing the same thing over and over again. I'm not getting in contact with people. I miss my friends and family. I feel trapped. And I'm sure that's something that a lot of people can relate to. Others I know have done a much better job of maintaining a social life and during all of this. I mean, it was something that was on the downswing for me before this, and I just made it a lot harder. So uh, yeah, COVID has been a massive boss fight for me, you know, and we're still going through it. We're still going through it in a lot of ways. Things, some things have gotten better. Some things have stayed the same. Ultimately, we're, we're adapting and we're learning to cope with it. And that's, that's another lesson I picked up along the way is, no matter how hard these challenges get, everyone has the ability to develop coping skills. I think that's really amazing. Next up, and this one actually ties really nicely into that, is introversion and social anxiety. And like I mentioned, like I felt like this was a problem before COVID. And COVID, gave, the pandemic gave me an excuse to become more reclusive, you know, huddle within my own, you know, family circle. And there's great things about that. I feel like uh, my family, my immediate family, me, my wife, and my daughter, uh, got closer than we've ever been before. On the other hand, being essentially trapped inside of a house with a toddler or young child now is very challenging. I also know that you know divorce rates have gone up with uh, people who realize that the the added time spent with their partners is not all that it all that they they thought it would be, I guess. Um, luckily that's that's not the case for me. That that's to say like being isolated even when you're not entirely alone uh, can still be a challenge. But one of one of the ways that this anxiety has really impacted me is this podcast, getting it started. I mean, as I mentioned, I had the idea for this podcast before the pandemic. Really, I the, the idea for this started before my daughter was born. She's four now. So I, I was really dragging my feet on it. And the biggest part of that was the fear of reaching out and talking to people, I think. 
also the fear of putting myself out there, you know, letting people listen to this. Uh, savvy listeners will probably have picked up that a lot of these podcasts were recorded a long time ago. Uh, I mean, they were all during the pandemic, but you know, some of these people were talking about Christmas and that was not Christmas 2021. So I dragged my feet. It was hard finding the time and, and the courage, not really the time, the courage to reach out to people, to talk to people and, and to get them on the show to, to not feel like I was, you know, being a burden to people or bothering them and to not, and to, and to trust in myself and my ability to talk to people and to sound interesting and to sound interested in them. All, all of that held me back and made this take a long time, much, much longer than I meant for it to. I will say that uh, during this process, it is, it is still hard reaching out to people, but I feel like I've gotten better at it. I know at least that I have some level of confidence at this and I have plans for season two and how to make the recording process go a little bit smoother. But one of the things that actually allowed me to launch this podcast in the first place was giving myself the permission to release it as a season. Originally, I was planning on doing this week to week and it just, it didn't feel like it was possible. I just could not get a cadence of talking to people week after week. So sometimes dealing with these problems requires you to give yourself permission to change what your vision is of the, of whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And that's, that's what it took for me to get the show off the floor. All right, this next one's a doozy and I'm actually going to kind of lump these together because I think a lot of the, the ways that it manifests are very similar, but this boss fight is one that way too many people I know deal with and very few people talk about. Um, that's depression. And, um, the, the, the parts I'm going to lump in there are self doubt and imposter syndrome. I don't think that's quite fair. Cause I think they are, they are different, but they're almost symbiotic. They feed off of each other, at least for me. Depression, and I will say up front, I have never been formally diagnosed with depression. I am talking to a therapist and they believe that I have depression. They, they think that the symptoms of it sound familiar, but I have never actually formally been diagnosed with depression. And therefore I'm not taking any medication or anything. But it, it is something I recognize in my life. It affects me in, in waves and in cycles. And it's one of those things that is really hard to see from the outside. My, my wife struggles with it too. And even knowing that, knowing that we, we both have this, it could be hard to recognize the symptoms because it's so, so internal, so personal. Depression has been one of those things that has held me back in a lot of ways. It makes you question the purpose of everything, the purpose of anything. You begin to question, why should I even get up? Why should I take a shower? Why, why should I bother taking care of this kid when I'm probably just going to mess them up anyway? They're going to be, they're going to be ruined for life. Why, why do anything? Uh, it's, it's not fun. It's not fun at all. I mean, it's called depression. It doesn't sound like fun, but it, it, it hits hard and it's something that's just hard to live with and hard to cope with. Luckily for me, I'll say that it comes in relatively short cycles. It's not something that I've had to deal with for months at a time. It's typically, it'll hit me for a couple of days, 
a week maybe, and then it's gone. But depending on how hard it is, how hard it hits, it can really, can really mess things up. It can make it, it can throw me off of a lot of progress. It's almost made me cancel this podcast before I got it started. If you're somebody who thinks that you have depression, if you battle with that, I cannot recommend enough just reaching out to somebody. It, it can do you more good than you will ever know. All right, lastly, the biggest boss fight for me has been being a parent. And that's hard to say. I love my daughter with all my heart. And I can also say that like, being a parent is the hardest thing that I've ever done. And it's... There's just, there's no, there's no easy way to to handle it. And from what I can tell from reading books about kids and talking to other parents, my daughter is like amazing. She's easygoing. She's so, she's such an angel. But even that, like, I think even the best behaved children are going to push you to your limits. And she's brought out sides of myself that I, I don't like that I didn't know were there. And I don't know. People say nothing can prepare you for being a parent. And and it's true, but it's not true in the way I thought it was. And it's one of those things, it's hard to talk about and it's hard to admit. Like I do my best every single day to keep this other human being alive. And in that sense, and the fact that she is still alive, she is, I'm, I'm, I'm succeeding. And I guess in the fact that I'm probably thinking about this at all, I'm probably doing better than a lot of parents out there. But I don't know. In the world we're in today, it feels like perfection is the only acceptable outcome. And so it feels like every time that we give her cheeseburgers for dinner, you know, or <laughs> anytime I snap at her, that then I'm a failure. And that's, that's hard to deal with when you know that you're doing your best and you still feel like you're falling short. So any parents out there, uh, I, I, I feel you. I, I want you to feel seen. And it's a boss fight you can't escape. In every phase of a child's life, they, there's, there's things that get easier and there's things that get harder. And I do hope that over time, those the challenges that I'm facing they, they they change, and that makes it hard to makes it hard to get really good at it. You know, it's like when you're fighting a boss and you get really you're like you keep losing, and then you finally beat it, but you didn't actually beat it. It gets another health bar. You're like, oh, there's another phase, and so you, then you just have to do it again, and then <laughs> and then you're right back at the beginning, and that's what it's like with with kids. It's like you feel like you just mastered it. You just got there and then, oh, everything's different now. So forget what you learned and you got to start over. And that's, you know, that's being a parent. And that's a lot of work. It is one of the things I'm the most proud of. I am obnoxious about sharing pictures of my daughter. I love talking about her. I find every excuse I can to uh, <laughs> to show her off. To, to I let her jump on calls at work and things like that. And, and I, I really, like I said, I want to get her on this podcast sometime. So it is one of those things. It's, it brings me an immense amount of joy 
but that does not negate how difficult it is. And those, both those things can coexist, and that's okay. All right, with all that out of the way, let's get to some power-ups. So that was, <laughs> that was a lot of boss fights. That was a lot of challenges. But luckily, I've got some tools to help us along the way. And uh, these are some of the things that have worked for me. So I'm going to go through them pretty quickly. But they've been immensely helpful with all of these challenges. Uh, the first one I mentioned earlier uh, is therapy. And I've always been pro-therapy. But I've also been the kind of person that said, ah, therapy is not for me. I don't need therapy. It's great. I love therapy. And other people should go see a therapist. But it's, I don't need it. It's not for me. That's wrong. That's not true. <laughs> Early on in the uh, pandemic, I started seeing a therapist and it's, it's been immensely helpful. You know, it's, it's just been incredible. And it's one of those things, I don't think that you can realize it until you, you try it for yourself. Now, one of the big hurdles for me was the cost. I was, I was scared. I didn't want to I thought the cost of seeing a therapist was going to cause me so much anxiety that it would outweigh the, um, you know, supposed mental benefits of it. So I didn't even try for a long time. And then I decided to reach out to somebody and, and I told them that I told them I'm really nervous about how much this is going to cost. And they did some, some jiggering. They, they looked at the numbers, they, they figured something out and they were able to cut me a deal. And, uh, it, it was something that, it was palatable for me for, for what I thought to be an important thing. So yeah, if something has been holding you back, if you've been afraid because of the cost, reach out, try to see if there's something you can do because you never know what could happen. The other power-up, and this is, so this is a category of power-ups, I think that, that I'm going to break down into different steps, but throughout the, the pandemic, a lifesaver for me has been these rituals and routines that I picked up that have been sort of like a cornerstone. In one sense, I feel like they may have uh, contributed a bit to sort of getting into a rut, I would say, but like it's a, it's a better rut than I would have been in without them. I'll say that. Like, like I'm doing the same things week after week and sometimes that can be a drag, but I think if I weren't doing these things, I'd still be doing the same things week after week but they wouldn't be intentional and they wouldn't be helpful and they wouldn't be good for me, you know? So one of the, one of the, the rituals that I, that I have is um, a daily walk that I, that I take with my family. And I'm in a really like blessed situation by the fact that I have that opportunity. My, my work is flexible enough that I have the opportunity to stop working and all of us get to go out on a family walk together. We, you know, it's usually like a mile and a half to two miles at least. And we get some fresh air, we get some exercise and we get to talk, you know, and it's one of the first things I do in the morning. And it's, it's fantastic. I, I also go on walks usually around lunchtime as well. Most of the time I'll say I'm, I'm listening to podcasts, but I also li listen to podcasts for my work. And lately I've been thinking I've got too many voices talking in my head. And so just walking in silence has been really good too. Another one of the, 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 the rituals that I have is journaling. And this is one that I've actually, I've fallen off a lot. It's really hard sometimes to sit down and to think about writing about yourself, um, especially when you 
right? Especially when you write for work, you know, it's, it's hard to sit down and be like, okay, now I'm going to do some more writing, but this time it's writing that I'm not going to show anybody and it has no inherent value. It's been hard to keep up, but I do know that when I do it, I feel really good. Uh, it's really valuable. I keep going back to journals that I've made before and they always have insights. They like, they point me to things that I, you know, sometimes you have a realization about a change that you want to make in your life and you feel really fired up at that moment and then it doesn't really stick. But sometimes you can go back and you read through those journals and you, and you reinforce that and you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember that like I, you know, I noticed that if I drink two cups of coffee in the morning, I feel really jittery and it makes me in a bad mood all day. And so then you're like, okay, so I need to remind myself not to drink two cups of coffee. You know, this just, that's a, a, a silly example of like some of the benefits that have come from journaling for me. And, and similarly, I've been doing um, habit tracking. And both of these I've been doing through um, an app called Notion. Um, it's kind of like this really robust, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, you can build out like a, you can build out to-do lists, you can build out journals and databases and things like that. Uh, it's, a, it's a really cool program and, and I'm hoping continuing to flesh it out as I go, but it's been, it's been an awesome center for like putting all of this information in uh, to reference later. It's, it's basically like a more complex version of like Evernote. But yeah, being able to track basic habits, even some of the things that like seem really stupid, like they should be automatic, you know, things like brushing your teeth, things like taking a shower, things like doing the dishes at night. It's been helpful to be able to track that when you're feeling depressed and you feel like any of these things, doing any of these things is hard to do. It's helpful to have evidence that, oh yeah, I've done this before. I've, you know, I'm not going to feel like this forever. I've, I have a history of being able to, to do these. And I know that these are the things that when I do them, I feel good. And that's, it's been extremely helpful for, for my mental health. Another power up that we've been doing is um, my wife and I have weekly check-ins where we kind of, this also is done a little bit in Notion. We, we go over, you know, all of the things that we've done through the week, it's, it's hard when you're, you've, you've got a parent, you're both, you know, that's, or you've got, you've got a kid and you're, you're trying to run this like family unit and this relationship and individual lives and trying to balance all of that. And this just gives us a moment to check in to say like, Hey, throughout this week, was there like, was there something I did that pissed you off that you wanted to tell me, but you didn't get a chance to tell me then? And if you don't tell me now, it's just going to kind of fester, you know, it's been amazing. I mean, that's, that's one of the most beneficial things on there. And most weeks there's nothing, but you know, I think on the times that there are, it's like, oh yeah, if, if like I, pro unless I was prompted, I probably wouldn't have said this, but if I didn't say it, I'd probably be resentful of it. And, you know, thinking about it for a long time. So it's just checking in. I mean, if, if you're in a relationship, I think it's a good idea if you've got kids that are a little bit older right now, we do it after Ruby goes to bed, but if you've got older kids, maybe doing a weekly check-in, just sitting down, you can do it for five minutes. Just have like a really simple list of things that you touch on. Like, Hey, what's something you did this week that you're like really proud of? Or, you know, like what's something that, that I could do better, like to be a better partner or to be a better parent or whatever. The pandemic has been very hard on a lot of relationships and a lot of marriages. And I think this is one of the things that has really helped us stay, stay close and stay on track.
Lastly, one of the power-ups that I can't recommend enough is just having a little self-compassion. Now, saying self-compassion, it sounds dumb. It sounds like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be nice to myself. I'm gonna give myself some self-care. I'm gonna like tell myself, good job, you. It's not quite that. And it's also not like making excuses for not doing things that you want to do. And that's one of the things that I've struggled with is like, how do I be compassionate about myself when I fail to hit my goals or live up to my standards? Is, is showing compassion for that moment, is that going to let me off the hook for it? But the fact is that like beating myself up over it isn't going to make me any more likely to live up to those the next time either. It's just not motivating. It's not, it doesn't work. So acknowledge that you're human, acknowledge that you're going to make mistakes and treat yourself the way that you would treat others. Like we are our hardest critics. We have to be more willing to show ourselves self-compassion. Give yourself a hug, own your body and feel good about what you have accomplished and be understanding of what you haven't because being hard on yourself is not going to make things any easier. And that, uh, that is my boss rush. That is my, that is my solo episode. And that is a wrap on season one of Boss Fight. If you've made it this far, if you've been listening, honestly, I can't thank you enough. As I mentioned, this is a project a year in the making, if not more. It's been something that's been on my mind since before my daughter was born. And as I mentioned, she's four years old now. So this has been a long time coming and I've been overwhelmed with the response. I love that people are enjoying it. And if you have any feedback, please reach out to me. You can reach out on Instagram at Boss Fight Podcast, or you can follow me at Sean Ian Jacobson. And yeah, just let me know what you liked, what you didn't like, what we should do different for season two. I don't intend for season two to take as long to make. So I've got some plans in place and I'm ready to record. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, shoot me a DM. I would love to hear from you. All right, folks, that's a wrap. Thank you once again for listening to Boss Fight. And just remember that game over is not the end. It's just another opportunity to get better. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Boss Fight. Please follow along on Instagram at Boss Fight Podcast, where you'll learn more about our guests and see artwork inspired by the show. Don't forget to subscribe to get future episodes automatically in your podcast player of choice. And remember, Game Over isn't the end. It's just another opportunity to get better.